Don't you like it when you think the song's over and you're already clapping and everything? It's kind of like when the preacher says, oh, one more thing. <laughs> All right. Glad that you're here today. Take your Bibles with me as, as our children leave and as the choir steps down to uh, the book of Genesis. I'm really hoping that you are at least reading through the book of Genesis with us this month. There are reading guides out there. There are also little workbooks. The questions in them are not very complex, but they are to help you focus upon the things that you're reading. This week and next week we'll be dealing with uh, Abraham and the life of Abraham that's recorded for us in the book of Genesis. So as we think about Abraham, uh, one of the words that, that, that is tied with Abraham over and over again, not only in the Old Testament but the New Testament, is that word faith. That word faith. Matter of fact, Paul in the book of Romans talks about because of that faith that, that God has graciously bestowed upon we, even we who are the Gentiles, we too are the children of Abraham. You need to re- remember that God promised Abraham more than just a line that would lead to Messiah, which he did. More than just that he would build a nation out of him, a particular specific nation out of him that God would use to, to share his, his message through his prophets, and God would, would, would again, bring his, his Messiah through that, and he did. But I remind you of something about Abraham, or maybe I'll tell you something about Abraham you didn't know. How many of you knew that Abraham was not Jewish? How many of you knew that Abraham was not an Israelite? How many of you think the pastor's gone off the deep end this morning already by saying that, okay? But the reality is he wasn't. Because it wasn't until two generations after Abraham that God birthed a nation called Israel from a man that was once named Jacob, and God changed his name to Israel. And out of the 12 sons of Jacob, we have the establishment of the nation of Israel. It clearly a part of God's covenant promise with with Abraham, but God's covenant promise of Abraham is not restricted just to Israel. But that he would, what did he say? Through you I will bless all the earth. Now it is quite clear as you understand and you read the scripture that God had a specific purpose for, for that line that ran from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob then through the 12 sons of Jacob, where God established that nation of Israel. God has, I still believe God has a great plan for that. And if you go to Israel today, well, you might be sadly disappointed because you might find that you're among a, bu- a bunch of people that are God's chosen people in that sense, but for the most part, live lives of agnostics. And they care, for the most part, very little about God, much less about his son Jesus, and most of what takes place there is more ritualistic than anything that has any real life uh, as part of a covenant promise with God. They have an identity of being the chosen people. They have an identity of being the children of Abraham. But the reality of that in their everyday life, is pr- if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about, is pretty much non-existent to them. Does that mean that God's done with them? Well, read the book of Romans. It says, of course, he's not done with them. He knew they would go back. He knew they would be in unbelief. And he knew that they would reject his son, Jesus. But the time will come when God will open up their eyes again. But my point is this morning, as we look at at Abraham, I I hope you can see this, this wide scope of God's promise to Abraham. 
But not only to Abraham through one specific people, but through Abraham to all people. The gospel to the Gentiles, listen to me, the gospel to the Gentiles, by the way, how many of you are Gentiles here this morning? Okay. So, you need to understand that God, the gospel to the Gentile was not God's secondary plan. I, I, I see it preached this way so often. God gave his message to Israel. Israel messed up. Israel didn't believe. So God had to have a secondary plan, and so he raised up a people called the Gentiles. He gave his original covenant promise of salvation, not to the Jewish people specifically, but to the world as a whole, to the Gentiles. You don't get it. Or do you get it? I hope that you get it. We were not a secondary plan to God. And the peoples of the world and the tribes of the world and the nations of the world are not a secondary plan to God. We are and have been and always were in the heart of God. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. Jesus came to reach into every tribe and every tongue and every color and every ethnicity and every, every background. Jesus came to be Messiah. And I believe, and I think it's important for us to understand, that God spoke this promise, this covenant promise, to this man called Abraham. And when we think about faith, we think about the walk and the journey of Abraham. And what I'm hoping today is that you are a brother and a sister in Christ that, that are also on a journey of faith today. I hope you see that it is really a journey. There's not a person in this room that has arrived yet. It is a journey. In one sense... The work of Christ is completed in us that we are his children. We are the children of God. Our sins are forgiven. We are the very children of God. We have the promise of eternity. In one sense, it's all completed. But in another sense, and I hope you, you understand it, in another real sense, we're still on this journey. Daily I'm learning to walk with God. How about you? Daily I'm having to say, why do you believe that? Why did you teach that? Why did you treat that person that way? Well, I thought it was what I needed to do that day. Anybody else do that besides me? When you, when you discover, when you discover God could have, at the moment of our salvation, just infused us with everything. But he didn't. Because clearly the biblical example is he intended for us to walk with him. To get to know him, to learn to trust him, to begin to recognize his voice as he speaks his truths into our lives, and to learn as we submit each day to Christ as our Lord and surrender each day to the Holy Spirit as the power in our life, to learn that, 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 that he wants to work through us to touch all people. And let me just say, we need to be very careful that our flesh does not get in the way, that my flesh does not get in the way, and my opinion about things does not get in the way of having the ability to be used of God to touch the worst of people. Now, I don't, I, I want to tell you as best I can, I, I'm not saying that from a judgmental 
perspective. I'm the best of people. They're the worst of people. Now, at times, we do that. Let's be honest. But here's the truth. Before Jesus found me, I was the worst of people. Unless anybody in here get a big head and say, wow, our pastor was really messed up. So were you. When Jesus found you, you were the worst people, worst of people. Oh, wait a minute. No, I wasn't like this group, and I wasn't like that group, and I never did this, and I never did that, and I never said this, and I never thought that. Well, your pride in a statement like that tells me you were one of the worst of people. Because it is our pride that keeps us from stepping into that journey of faith. And it is our pride that keeps us from walking daily in that journey of faith the way God has called us to. Let's read our scripture for today. Genesis chapter 15. Look at verses 1 through 6 with me. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Don't you like that? I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. A servant is what he was saying there. Verse 3. Then Abraham, then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven, and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he and Abraham believed believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Now, I want to draw your attention to the last verse before I go back to the other verses. Look at what it says there in verse 6. And Abraham believed the Lord. Is that what it says? No, it actually doesn't say that. If you look at, look at the, the, the te- it actually says, and Abraham believed in the Lord. It's one thing to believe something. It's a whole other thing we talk about biblical faith to believe in. I can believe you tell me something that's true. But it's a whole other thing to put my whole self in your hands believing in you for something. You understand the difference there? When you talk about, you know, some people say, well, how'd they get saved in the Old Testament? Well, the answer's right here. By believing in the Lord. How did you get saved in the New Testament time? By believing in the Lord. You certainly have more information than they had in the Old Testament time. You certainly have, we're on this side of the cross, on this side of the resurrection, We get to see that, but still you must believe in the Lord in order to know salvation. And in the Old Testament, they too had to believe in the Lord in order to know salvation. Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. They didn't even know who the Messiah was. We do. But even in their inability to know who the Messiah was, their response to God in faith brought them to a place of relationship with him. You see, when you get to heaven, when you and I get to heaven, 
We're going to see Father Abraham, Brother Abraham. Be, I'll just call him Brother then. Brother Abraham. We're going to see David. We're going to see, you know who else we're going to see? You may not even believe it. We're going to see a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Read Daniel. He has a conversion experience. God works in his heart. We get to see them. It's not like they're not there. It's not like, again, that salvation just just come into God's mind after the cross. Salvation of mankind has been in God's mind the whole time. Remember as we began this study, you read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where he promised that he would provide a Messiah, that the seed of, of, of the serpent would strike his heel, but Messiah would come and would crush the head of the serpent. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I hope today that you believe in God. That you believe in God. And the way we believe in God today is through His Son, Jesus Christ. For Jesus came to reveal the Father. And the Bible says that Jesus is the only way that we can, we can ever know the Father. Don't be mistaken. You can't be in that crowd that says, I don't know if I believe that Jesus stuff, but I believe God's stuff. Well, you cannot believe God's stuff without believing Jesus' stuff. I don't know if stuff's a theological term, but that's the way it is. The only way to the Father is through the Son. The Scripture says that if you reject the Son, you have rejected the Father. Jesus, Jesus gives this parable about, about, about the, 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 one who, the, the one who owned the, the vineyard and stuff, and he sends servants. And the people refused to listen to his servants. As a matter of fact, they beat them and they cast them aside. They rejected them. And finally the Father says, you know what? I'm going to stop sending servants. I'm going to send my Son. And so the son goes there. And you know what those, those, those wicked people in, this, in the master's vineyard did? They didn't hear the son. They didn't receive the son. They despised the father so much. They despised the owner so much that they literally killed the son. You understand that that parable is not about a vineyard. But, but, but about a loving God who continually sent his messengers to this world. His prophets of old that spoke his truth to a world that rejected him, that hated him. And then finally, in the fullness of time, he sent his son. And once again, rather than the world receiving the message directly from the son as the, as the perfect representation and revelation of the father, they rejected the son and they killed the son. I hope, I pray, that you have a relationship with God, one where you believe in God through His Son, Jesus Christ. For there's no other way to salvation. Well, let's go back to Genesis here. And I want you to see in this passage here that God has a promise. Now, just before we look at the promise, God begins His interaction, if you will, with Abraham back in chapter 12. And Abraham is not in what we would call the promised land at this time. But God said, and he's living with his, his family and stuff, and God says, Abraham, you need to get up and you need to move from here. Abraham, you need to begin your journey of faith with me. You need to go where I tell you to go. You need to be where I've called you to be. And I'm going to have you do the things that I've called you to do. Abraham had to hear the voice of God. And in hearing the voice of God, he needed to respond. You know, that's the way our, 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 our faith journey begins for all of us. 
None of us in here reached out to God first. None of us here called out to God. None of us called out here on our own initiative, God save me. But God in his grace and his mercy, he called out to us. God revealed himself to us. The Holy Spirit spoke to our heart. And I don't know exactly what his message was to you, but but God's message to Abraham was, Abraham, it's time for you to get up. Abraham, it's time for you to go where I tell you to go. I want you to be where I tell you to be, and I'm going to tell you to do what I want you to do. And Abraham had to respond to God's call, and he did. Every time the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart about the gospel, about salvation, it's a call for you to respond to God's call in the same way that Abraham did. It's a call for you to begin your your journey of faith. And I'm going to take it just a step further. For we who are saved, God doesn't quit speaking. He doesn't quit calling. He doesn't quit directing. Our journey of faith is a continual thing. And we have to have our ears open to the Spirit of God. We need to hear, God, where would you want me to be? God, what would you have me to say? God, what would you have me to do? Always remembering that we're completely and totally relying upon the Holy Spirit to do anything, to go anywhere, to say anything that God has called us to say. That's the faith walk that he's called us to. God called Abraham to his journey. As a part of this journey, God gave a promise to Abraham. We see it back in chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Abraham was concerned. He was concerned about God's blessing him. He had been obedient to follow God where God told him to go. He was at this point where God told him to be. Doing what God has called him to do. Now he's concerned about how God might show himself in fulfillment of the promise that God has for him. And he says, Father, I, God, I have, I have no heirs. As a matter of fact, I'm getting pretty old. I'm getting pretty up there. And the only one that is an heir is actually someone who's not even out of my own body. It's one of my servants. And in the line of things, if something happens to me, everything you've done for me and everything you've called me to will go to this servant. Notice what God does. In the midst of Abraham's wonder, not wandering, wondering, God speaks his truth. God gives his promise. God always, we'll say it again, God always is there speaking into our lives if we'll have ears to hear what he has to say. He always is. You ever find yourself wondering about the things of God? About what God has for you? You ever find yourself wondering, well, God, I know you have this call upon my life, but God, I can't, I can't see at this point how that's co- going to come about. God, I can't, I can't figure that out. Because when I look at the world around me, when I see where everything's going, I'm, I'm wondering how this all is going to pan out. And I think we all find ourselves in the time in which we live, as, as I believe the time is growing short. And men's hearts are growing colder and colder to the things of God. And the world is not coming closer to God. It's moving further away from God. And we find ourselves sometimes consumed 
with trying to figure out how God is going to fulfill what God said He would fulfill in our lives. And rather than find ourselves, our feet planted on the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ, we've stepped over into the sifting sand of the times and the changes in which we live. We so often learn to, to trust in man's philosophy and our own opinion upon things and, and what man can do for us, rather than trust in Jesus who promised he would never leave us or forsake us. Nothing that's going to happen in the few, next few months, nothing that's going to happen in the next few years is beyond God's understanding and knowledge. You need to understand that. And it may turn out that it doesn't look like what you would hope that it looks like. It may turn out that it will that will be completely contrary to everything you had hoped. But God has not left us and God has not failed us. And I'm going to say something. I don't mean to offend anybody. But I just want you to know, ultimately, whoever ends up in the White House cannot give this country hope. Whoever it is. Only Jesus can give this country hope. And it's time for the church to get to grab that message again. It's time for us to stop fighting over political things and start standing up and sharing the gospel because it changes people's hearts. And it'll transform the world around us. It really will. Every man, every woman will fail you. Only Christ will be what he's promised to be. Just like when God gave this promise to, 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 to um, Abraham. You, Abraham could not see how God could fulfill what God said he was going to do. Again, have you ever found yourself there? Sitting in the midst of it saying, how God, God, how are you going to do this? And you know what God's response was to Abraham in the midst of this confusion? Abraham, I got a promise for you. It's not going to be the way you think it's going to be. It's not going to be your servant that's going to have 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 your your be your your heir. I'm going to provide an heir out of your own body. Wait a minute, God. I am way too old for that kind of thing. Yesterday after the service, I was carrying around my granddaughter, beautiful little girl. Someone said, "Is that yours?" There is no way. I don't think, I think I would just shut down. And we get to watch them every once in a while, then send them home. Can you imagine being Abraham's age at this time, probably in late 70s at this time? And God says, I'm going to provide an heir out of your own body. How many are, I'm going to ask, how many are in your late 70s? I'm not going to ask you that. But just think about that. But look at, in the midst of Abraham's wondering, on his journey of faith. It's not a matter that he didn't have faith. He has faith. And you and I, we struggle sometimes in our journey of faith. And, and, and we give a, 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 a misleading message to the world when, when we have to put forth that we always know it. We always got it. We, we figured it out. It really is a journey. And in that journey, we're going to have our ups, and we're going to have our downs, and we're going to have our times of wondering, and we may even have our times of wandering. But God has a promise for his own. He has a promise here for Abraham. It's going to be okay, Abraham. By the way, his name at this point is Abram. I understand that, but I just call him Abraham all the time. 
It's going to be okay. In a more modern way to put it, I think God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, I got this. I got this. And I want us to hear the voice of God today as the body of Christ, the redeemed of God, those who have been set apart by, by, by the Holy Spirit. We need to hear the voice of God today. Church, I got this. And we need to receive that. And we need to trust him in the midst of whatever comes down. God has a promise. I want you to think with me just for a little bit as we look in some more of the passage here at Abraham's journey of faith. In verse 3, Abraham says, Look, you've given me no offspring. Abraham, in his journey of faith, begins with a question. God, I don't know how this is going to happen. That's a legitimate place to begin with God. How big is your God? Is your God big enough to handle your questions? Oh, I would never ask God such a thing. I would never ask God why. Well, you're lying. You may not verbalize it, but I guarantee you when things happen in your life and my life, somewhere deep down we're asking God why. God, I don't know why. Why is this happening? Let me tell you something about God. And and I can only tell you something about him because I don't know the full capacity of who he is. I do know this. He's bigger than you think he is. He's more able than we give him credit to be. And he is more than ready to hear any question that comes out of your mouth. He knows it's there. Our holding back, listen, our holding back things from God does not hold things back from God. What it does do is it puts us in a place where we may not be able to hear what God wants to say in our life. You understand what I'm saying? If I won't say, God, why, then I'm not open to hear the answer. If I kind of hide in my little corner and stuff, even if God wants to tell me why, and he knows I need to know the reason why, I might miss it because I'm not, I'm not there. Anybody in here ever been angry with God? I mean, really, have you been angry with God? Oh, pastor, I would never be angry with God. Really? Never inside? Never inside? Life didn't happen the way you wanted to. You lost someone you loved. You lost something you had. And there was, there was this little bit of angerness. Anger, angerness. What the heck is angerness? I just made a new word. Write that one down. It's, it's in us. And he knows it's in us. I tell people when I get a chance to counsel with them, you're angry with God. Why don't you tell him? Oh, I would never do that. He already knows. At the point you express it is at the point you open yourself up to letting God tell you, hey, you may be angry with me, but here's what really is. It's at that point that healing begins to happen. It's at that point that understanding begins to happen. It's at that point that our faith begins to grow because he, I love the psalm, he knows I'm made of clay. He knows I'm made of clay. God knows every shortcoming that, that you have. He knows your limitations. And you know what? He knows your failings. And you know what? He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Isn't that incredible? He loves you when you ask why. He loves you when you say, God, 
I'm feeling anger toward you right now. He loves you when you say, God, I feel resentment toward you right now. But it's at that place that we would express that, that what's really going on in our life to God, that we actually open ourselves up, that God might reveal himself in the midst of what we're going through, and true healing begins to take place. And true understanding of God begins to grow within us. Abraham looks at his situation, and, he, and it begins with a question. God, I don't see this. I don't see how this is going to happen. Over in verse uh, chapter 16, look at verses 1 and 2 with me. And I'm going to prove to you that Abraham is just like we are. Abraham has a question. God gives a promise. And Abraham hears God's promise. And what does Abraham begin to do? Well, look at verses 1 and 2. Look at what he does. Verse 1 and 2 says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Now, that story goes on, and you can certainly read it here in chapter 16. I'll have time to go over the whole story with you. But what I want you to see is what Abraham does here. And I want you to see yourself in this story. In your own journey of faith, God gives you a promise. Life happens and you have questions and and concerns. God reassures you that he's going to take care of all those things that are going on in your life. God does things in God's time. By the way, God's time is always perfect. And God does things in God's time and God does things in things in God's way. But that's not good enough for we humans. We go to God. We hear from God. We question God. He gives us assurance that he's going to be there for us. And then we say, okay, God, how can I help you bring this about? Abraham and his wife, well up in age, have not had a child. They can't see humanly how this could possibly happen. By the way, it didn't happen humanly. It was God's hand. We'll see that later on. So what do they do? Try to figure out how they can help God do what God said he would provide. The things which God provides does not need our help. That which God has given you does not need your help. When you think about, ultimately, the greatest thing that God's done in any of our life has brought us to salvation. Amen? And God's work of salvation toward us is solely a work of God. I'm going to say it again. It is solely a work of God. We take no credit for it. We cannot boast about it. We can't, we can't say, well, look, I'm more spiritual than that other group that hasn't received him. I'm more understanding, I, more knowledge. I'm... We can't even say, you know what, God looked down and he saw how special I would be, so he saved me and didn't say that other person that he knew wasn't as quite as special as I am. When we talk about our salvation, it is solely the work of God. Salvation that requires help for God to accomplish, listen, is not salvation at all. A works-based salvation is not salvation biblically. 
Salvation is solely by the grace of God. Amen? It is God toward us. There are many things in our Christian walk that God allows us to join Him in. But never join Him in by our own human strength and ability. Only to join Him in as the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what God has called us to do. Our inclination to ask, to receive, to question, to again, once again, receive confirmation that God's going to do it. And then when God does not move quite quite as quickly as we ought to, we think He ought to, then we step in. Anybody do that with God? Anybody do that with someone else? The guy that's standing up here right now is infamous for doing that. That's me. I'm infamous for doing that. My poor wife. Many of you would agree with that, you know. But I'll say something, just in daily things, you know, just how it is. Teresa, would you check on this? Would you check on that? And she, oh, yeah. And she's always happy to do whatever. And then. Five to ten minutes later, when it didn't happen quite as quick as I did, I'm there checking on it. But why did I ask her to do something that I was going to do? Let's take that a little bit higher. What do we ask God to be God, to show himself, to work in our life as only he could and he can, and then we try to take the reins back from him? Abram and Sarah were people of faith, no doubt about it. But we have people of faith sometimes have a tendency to set our faith aside and try to do it ourselves. And can we be honest? The results of when we do that kind of thing are not very good. They're not very good. Abram and Sarai did it on their own and look at the results. The results of a conflict that not only began there, but a conflict that continues to the day in which we live. And unfortunately will continue until Jesus comes back again. When God promises something to us, let's receive his promise. Let's wait upon the Lord. Let's trust him with the answer. Because we know that the times in which we've done that, the result and the, and, and of, of God's promise in our life has been greater than we could have ever conceived and we could have ever done on our own. It is part of our journey of faith. We're learning how to do this, as Abraham did. Abraham tried to take control of the reins. Now go down to chapter 17 and look at verse 5 with me. Something is about to change from Abram. Verse 5 says, says this, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. There's something wonderful, dynamic, and even drastic that happens when God touches us in that way. When God changes our name. When God transforms us from the inside out. When, when our very existence and, and the things we're involved in are no longer just on this earthly temporal plane, but they, but they move into eternity. Does it not amaze you that God would touch you and touch me in, in a way that, that he might use us to share his wonderful message of hope and love and salvation that could literally touch someone's life 
for eternity. That's amazing to me. Abraham had this experience with God that changed everything. My hope and my prayer is that we have had that experience with God that changed everything for us. And that it changed us so much that there's not even a thought in our mind that we would ever want to go back to where we came from. Now, I happen to believe that even as Christians, we have these experiences in our Christian life. I believe there are times when the Holy Spirit touches us, even as Christians, in our Christian walk, where, where it's so real and it's so powerful. And it's a part of that changing process of God in the life of his children where, where he changed us from what we were to what we are. Very quickly, part of my testimony, pastoring for two years, Southern Baptist pastor, had preached every Southern Baptist message I could remember, borrow, and steal. This guy did good with this sermon, so I'm going to use it. So I did. We're at, ho- at my home on a Thursday evening. Thursday evening. Meeting with a group to pray. I'm sitting on Thursday evening, and I had to confess, Lord, I don't have anything to share with your people on Sunday. Two years into the ministry, I had nothing. I had nothing. I was barren. I was dry. And I called out to God, and I said, God, I want everything you have for me. I don't want anything that's phony. I don't want anything that's unreal. But, but I just need, I need everything you have for me. And I'm convinced that night that the Holy Spirit came in a powerful way in my life. And it's not, it's not that he came for the first time. I was born again. I was saved. But the acknowledgement of my need, my desperate need for him to be real in my life. And he moved in my life in such a way. And i got to tell you, I hadn't been perfect for, what, 30, 32, 33 years. But for 32, 33 years, I've had a hunger for the word of God that, that cannot be quit. And I love to talk about Jesus. I love to talk about the word of God. It could be that we find ourselves like Abraham, who we already know had faith in God. God gave him a fresh touch here. God God changed his name. God changed his heart. God moved in his way in in his life in a new way. And it could be that we find ourselves desperately as the church of the living God, as, as the people of God, needing a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit once again. A people who are ready to say, Lord, I'm we're here. We lay our hearts before you. We lay our lives before you. Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to you. We desperately need you in this hour. Abraham's life was changed at that point. This experience with God. And I pray and I hope that you have that kind of experience with God. I pray and I hope for this church that we're open to that kind of experience with God. Say, Pastor, I'm a little bit worried about you. We may end up like the charismatics. I'm going to just say it this way, folks. A church that does not have the life of the Holy Spirit in it is a dead church. However else you want to define it. If the Holy Spirit is not alive in us, then we're not alive. 
If the Holy Spirit power is not seen in us, then we're powerless. If his heart for the lost that are around us in, in Fountain Hills and, and the need for us to stand up and be the people of God empowered by the Holy Spirit, if that power is not there, then, then we don't have a purpose. We just exist to exist until we cease to exist any longer. We need an experience with God like Abraham. Well, let me move on. Chapter 18, verses 10, 10 and 14. Look at, what, look at what happened to Abraham. And he said, I will certainly return you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent of the doorway, and she kind of laughed behind him. Go on to verse 14, the first part. And, and we have a statement here. We're going to close with this statement. As he's speaking to Sarah, as he's speaking to Abraham, here's a statement. Is anything too hard for God? Let me change that around for you. Is there anything too hard for you? Think about it. In your life, is there anything too hard for you? You say, Pastor, that list is long. And the reality is it's true for all of us. There are so many things in life, so many people, so many experiences, so many circumstances and situations and this and that and the other thing that are just too hard for us. In our journey of faith, like in Abraham's journey of faith, we have God finally saying to Abraham, I'm acting, Abraham. Your wife is with child. And when I come back to you in a year, you will have a son. Oh, wait, God, how can that be? Is anything too hard for God? We sit here as a church, week after week, month after month, Year after year. It's in our heart somehow that we want, we desire to reach Fountain Hills for Jesus Christ. I hope that's in your heart somehow. And including your pastor, we make excuses for how hard it is to reach people in Fountain Hills. And we make excuses for why we don't reach people in Fountain Hills. But do we believe that God wants to reach people in Fountain Hills? And if we do... Isn't it about time we stop making excuses and stop saying how hard it is? And if we believe that this is really what God wants to do, isn't it about time we join Him in reaching people in Fountain Hills by sharing the gospel? By intentionally sharing the gospel. In the weeks ahead, you're going to hear some things that I'm going to share with you on how we can become intentional. Individually and corporately in reaching fountain hills for jesus i want to be here the day that every person in fountain hills has had the opportunity to respond to the gospel of jesus christ because the church of jesus christ has at least in the power of god gone out there and shared with them the gospel of jesus christ fountain hills needs this church to step up and believe that there's nothing too hard for god and that he loves the lost souls that are around us. And that he has privileged us to join him in his great mission. On the faith journey of this church, it's time for us to take that next step. And reach out to the community. Because when everything comes down to what it needs to be, the scripture says, Abraham believed in God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
Abraham's faith was fulfilled by God's goodness and grace. Everybody who's born again here today, your faith has been fulfilled by God's goodness and grace. In church, there are multitudes outside the doors of this church, even this morning, who need to hear about Jesus so that their faith may be fulfilled by the goodness and grace of God. It's not about you and I going out and winning them to Christ. It's going about you and I going out and sharing Christ. And Christ will draw those to himself. Would you bow your head with me? This thing called faith is a journey that God has put us on. We have example after example after example in the Scripture. No greater example is given to us than, than the father of faith, Abraham himself. But you see that he's just like we are in so many ways. And God had to work in him and through him to the place where, where God could, could use him to be what we know of him to be even today. God is at work here in our lives, in this church. He's at work among us. He's at work in you. Bringing you and me to the place where we can be used of him. Where we walk boldly in the power of the Holy Spirit and say, you know what? There is nothing that's impossible with God. So we're going to trust his promise. We're going to trust his way. We're going to trust his provision. We're not going to walk out in the flesh and try to do it on our own. But we're going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe, and I think we believe, that God will show himself to be true and mighty where God has called us. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each person that's gathered here today. I pray that our hearts are open to you right now, that we're responsive to whatever you're saying to our, to our lives and to our hearts. Father, that as part of our, our faith journey, Father, that we are responsive to where you to you right where we are right now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. I'm going to have you stand with me this morning. And before we leave this building, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to God. And, and I want you to hear what I'm asking you to respond to. If on your journey you're at the place of beginning, and you say, you know, Tony, I've never really put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but, but I, I feel the call to God this morning. I'm going to tell you, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. I feel the call to God. And, and, and I would like to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I would like to respond to that call in my life. But I, I need someone to pray with me. I need someone to talk. We'd love to do that. That's what we're here for. I'm here. There's some deacons at the front. They'd be glad, glad to talk to you about that. Okay? So if you're here in, on this journey of faith, you're at the beginning and, and you're ready to start it. Come, let us pray with you. Let us talk with you. We're not here to put you on the spot. We're here to be available to you. Secondly, if you're here and you say, I'm a born-again believer. But somehow your journey of faith has got kind of off track. Maybe you've gotten so used to doing it yourself that you've, you've even neglected the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God is calling you as a child of God. Come back. Trust me completely. Let me be who I need to be in your life. And see what I will do. See what God will do in you. If you and I will be responsive to it. If you want someone to pray with you about it, I'd love to do that. The steps are open. Grab someone's hand and say, Brother, sister, come pray with me. 
Finally, if God has brought you to this church family and he's called you to be a part of what he's doing here, we want you to be responsive to that call too. And we want to join you as you follow God. So all I'm asking you to do is whatever the Holy Spirit's laying upon your heart, how you should respond to him, just do that right now. As we sing, we get a song. As we sing, as we respond. Notice the song that just came up. That's a, that's, a, that's a tough song. I have decided to follow Jesus. Have we? As we sing it, as the Spirit leads, would you respond to him right now?